You're listening to Hive Hoops, a Charlotte Hornets podcast. Here's your host, Joshua Balta. Welcome back to another episode of Hive Hoops. Today we're going to recap the back-to-back losses against the Clippers and the Nets. We're going to look at Bryce McGowan versus James Knight. We're going to also take a look at Nick Richards versus himself. And then, was Mitch right? We'll get to that in just a little bit. But first, we got to talk about these back-to-back losses versus the Clippers and the Nets. Tough losses for the Hornets, going against two really strong opponents. And honestly, I had mixed emotions following the Clippers' loss because you have this injury-laden team in the Hornets. And you've had this injury-laden team in the Los Angeles Clippers as well. But then the Clippers get their guys back, and their guys are their headhunters. I mean, those those are top 15, top 20 quality players in the entire world in Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. And, (laughs) you know, you see the news break, and, of course, we knew that the Hornets were going to be without their five that they've been without for – weeks now and you just (laughs) you're wondering if you can get a Clippers team who's at half strength where you're looking to rebound from a disappointing loss to a Bucks team who sat all of their stars and then the news breaks that the Clippers are coming (laughs) coming into the matchup full strength locked and loaded Kawhi Leonard is going to play so is Paul George, and you're just like, oh, man. Thought thought we might be able to steal one. Now, I don't think that many of us were, you know, too positive in thinking that because we saw what happened against the Bucks. But still, you, you, you'd rather take your chances against a team without Paul George and Kawhi Leonard than one with. And so the Hornets battle, though. They don't go down without a fight. They go into the uh, fourth quarter with the lead. They were losing at halftime. They rebound. Third quarters had plagued the Hornets all year long, but then they come out and are just on fire in the third quarter. Everything's working. Everything's rolling for the Hornets. They head into the fourth quarter with the lead, which is a place that they've been quite often, honestly. And yet, the Hornets end up falling to the Clippers, 119-117. It was the ninth loss on the season where the Hornets had had held a lead in the fourth quarter and or overtime. And it's just another one of those things where, like, you're excited that these Hornets – who are decimated by injury are fighting and battling the way that they are and getting the minutes that they are from some of their young players in Bryce McGowan's in Kai Jones, Nick Richards players like this, uh, Teo Maladon. But yet at the end of games, you're left wanting more because they just can't come up with that final play to put a team away. They can't come up with that final rebound. They can't come up with that final just solid possession or decision-making or hit the open shot 
to bury a team at home in the fourth quarter when you have the lead. And so this has just been the storyline all year. And so those mixed emotions come back because, yeah, they battled. Yeah, they played hard. Yeah, they put themselves in a position to win. But then when it came to it, down at the end of the game, they just could not do enough and come away with that final one to two plays that decides ball games. And we were laughing about it a couple weeks ago when the crowd, when Kelly Oubre got the rebound in the corner and the fans are saying, don't shoot, Kelly, don't shoot. And he's going up to shoot and then he passes it out and everybody's laughing about it. Ha, 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 ha. The Hornets won. It's all good. All the things. But that was almost a collapse as well. And I think it it tells a bigger story that even though that many of these Hornets are playing well, they just don't have that winning mentality, that winning experience, the basically knowing what to do late on late in these games to close out teams and win in the NBA. I, I, we, we were all laughing about it, but that tells a bigger story. And I'm not trying to bust on Kelly Oubre, you know, singularly right now. That's just an example of the greater mentality of this team and what they do late in close games. They don't know how to close. And it's because many of these guys are being asked to do things that they've never done before, whether that be Kai Jones actually getting minutes. Bryce McGowan's a rookie playing big minutes in games, playing in the fourth quarter, giving you spurts and having to play because of where the Hornets are just health-wise. Jalen McDaniels being asked to do things in the fourth quarter that he's never been asked to do, be a scorer, hit big shots play good defense against some of the best offensive players in the world. And then you just keep going across the roster. Mason Plumley playing big minutes in the fourth quarter. That has never happened in his career. He's always been a career backup. Should he still be? Yes, he should. But that's not where the Hornets are. That's not where we're where we are. And so him having to play these big minutes down the stretch and play in crunch time, that's something he's never had to do before. Keep going. Kelly Oubre, he's been one of the best players for the Hornets this year. Most consistent. Attack mode really changed his mentality, how he's approaching the game. Seems locked in. Seems to be a Steve Clifford guy. Really boosting the Hornets and boosting that trade value, if you ask me. But he's never been in these positions either where he is a go-to player in crunch time. That's different for Kelly Oubre, even though this is his, what, eighth season in the NBA? DJ Washington. He's always been, hey, play good defense, hit a three late in the game. Now, sometimes he's getting the ball in the high post or at the top of the key, and he's being asked to attack. He's he's being asked to be one of those guys that steps up and he's and who's a top three offensive option late in games. That's never really happened before either 
outside of Terry Rozier, each and every Hornet is being asked to do things that they've never had to do in crunch time due to the injury concerns and who's available and who's not. And so it's tough because you, you're frustrated by the result. You're frustrated, or at least personally, I am. I know a lot of people, they're like, hey, keep it close. Let's watch fun basketball games. Let's see this team not get just demolished every night. Let's see some real production. Let's see players develop. Let's see young guys get minutes and play hard and play well, which bodes well for the future, but then lose so that we can be in that bottom three, so tank for victor season. And I, I get it. I really do. I get that. Where we currently are record-wise, where, where Charlotte – is in the standings. I understand that, you know, that thinking. But as far as, you know, I I haven't been full-blown on this tank, you know, train from the beginning. I just haven't because it just doesn't work out for you enough. But not to get into that conversation again. These guys are just being asked to do things and so that they've never had to do before. And the results are frustrating. Not mad at the players, per se. I mean, I know everybody's mad at Plumley. I know that people get mad at Terry because, you know, sometimes he looks selfish down the stretch. But like we said, like people are even bagging on Terry for the decisions he makes late in games when he's the only one that's ever even been in this situation where he's been a key guy down the stretch of close games in the playoffs before. And it's been a while, but even in recent years with the Hornets, he's been one of those go-to options. One, either the first or the second option in close games. Just trying to win games because he's been there before. He's trying to put the team on his back and just win these close games. Because this team's trying to win. No matter what the fans want, whether you want to tank or not, it doesn't matter. This team's trying to win. And so, yes, it's good to see them battle. Loving the fight I'm seeing out of this team. The young guys giving you good, hard, you know, working minutes. Energy's good. They're not laying down, but then the results just continue to be frustrating because you got to find that rebound where you have three guys standing around one Clippers player, but yet he's the one who gets the ball and gets the lay in. You've got to be that team that has a good possession down the, down the stretch of the game. There's 40 seconds on the clock when you get it. You can go two for one so the Clippers can't hold for the last shot which ended up being a quad game-winning bucket. You can't do that. Got to be smarter. You got to work better in those moments. You've got to find that last play. And so it's frustrating because that's just what you continue to see with this team is they just come up short. Then you got the Nets game where the Hornets are pretty much down 20 for most of it. Down 18 at the half come out in the third quarter it's pretty much stays in that 15 to 20 range the hornets cut it down i think to 8 or 9 by the end of the third and then they storm back in the fourth make things interesting down one maybe 
even tied it at one point. Close game. But then what you're looking at is you're asking Bryce McGowan's and fresh out of Greensboro, JT Thor, to play big moments in the fourth quarter. And yet this team continued to fight and battle. And so, like, you can't even be upset with that. Like, there's no other way to look at this thing. There's no way to be upset with this team. Because yet you had another injury occur. P.J. Washington, a starter. One of your three best players on this team currently goes down with a facial injury, has to go to the locker room. And so you're relying on the likes of JT Thor, who just played in Greensboro last night. He was in the G League last night. Had to play crunch time minutes in the fourth quarter against Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And yet the Hornets were in this game. Bryce McGowan's the rookie who was a second-round draft pick playing in big fourth-quarter minutes against Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and the Brooklyn Nets. That's crazy. And so can't even really be upset about last night's result at all. A little bit against the Clippers, but really against the Nets can't be. They battled. Sustained more injuries in the middle of the game. Kelly Oubre attacking. Terry Rozier finishing at the rim, hitting shots. The likes of Bryce McGowan's and JT Thor giving you big minutes down the stretch. I mean, it just, it is what it is, guys. This team, they fall 11 games under 500, now 7 and 18 on the season. And just as you wondering, what if? What if we had a healthy LaMelo ball? What if the Charlotte Hornets had most of their rotation players at their disposal? We're going to get to that in a moment. Real quick, I want to touch on this. Bryce McGowan's versus James Booknight. Bryce McGowan's has a 75-minute lead on James Booknight in the month of December. And by 75-minute lead, I mean 75 minutes played for Bryce McGowan's to zero minutes for James Booknight. James Booknight is done. I know. Look, it's early in his career. This is one of those classic, don't write a guy off too soon. This, you know, it's early. He's in his second year. He's a He was a borderline top 10 draft pick for a reason. Like, we, we've got to stop doing this thing where guys who don't produce in their first or second season are done and we completely forget about them and their, season, and their career is over, things like that. I get all of that. James Booknight is done in Charlotte. There's no way that he is going to rebound and find a spot in this rotation. The Hornets are down three of their top guards currently. Where 
And when can James Booknight carve out any kind of role in this team? He's not getting it with LaMelo Ball out, Dennis Smith Jr. out, and Cody Martin out. Because when those three guys come back, they're playing. All three of them will be in the rotation. James Booknight cannot beat out Teo Maladon and Bryce McGowan's. So what is he going to do on this roster and on this team whenever the, it, it gets healthy? James Booknight is done in Charlotte. And I hate to say that so early. And I know uh, there may be some pushback to this. Go ahead. Push back if you want. He's done. And I really, I really don't even see the argument as to how you would believe otherwise. He's not getting back on this floor on this team. And if he can't get on the floor on this team where it currently is and where it will be, a team that is 7-18, and 18, where will he? Don't want, don't, don't want to tout the, the bus train too early, but at least here in Charlotte, I think that's where it is. I think that's where it's headed at the least. It, I mean, the Hornets will not be able to get any value back for him. He has no trade value. The best thing for James Booknight at this point is to go elsewhere um, for his career. He's got to go somewhere. It's it's not going to happen in Charlotte. Two two regimes, two coaching regimes, can't find minutes. Being thoroughly outplayed by a rookie. Team's not healthy. Sorry, James. It's just it's just not meant to be here in Charlotte, man. Malik Monk 2.0. It just is what it is. I hate it, but he's he had the opportunities. He had the chances. He didn't take advantage of them. He showed some bursts. He showed some moments. But overall, erratic play, poor decision-making, just not really good on either end of the floor, not giving you much of anything. Bryce McGowan's has been much better in his minutes that he's providing, and that's why he continues to see more. Moving on, Nick Richards. His minutes continue to dip. He only had 10 minutes last night. He hasn't played more than 20 minutes in any game in the month of December. Uh, just he can't set legal screens. I mean, this is just plaguing the Hornets. Like, what is going on in the conversation around setting screens in Charlotte? I mean, this, is, this isn't this is even just a Nick Richards thing. This is a Mason Plumley is being called each game for setting an illegal screen. JT Thor had two in the fourth quarter uh, last night against the Nets. Kai Jones had multiple against the Nets. It, it's just, it's frustrating. Charlotte Hornets cannot set legal screens. Back to Nick Richards. Clifford has mentioned his pick-and-roll defense, how the Hornets need to be better as a team. It seems that Nick Richards is being uh, the one that a lot of that's being directed towards. That's plaguing his playing time currently. But then over the last three games, check his plus-minus. Minus 19, minus 16, minus 11 for Nick Richards over the last three contests. That's not good. That's not good. And And – 
Yeah, it depends on who you're on the floor with and things like that. Nick has been getting run with many of the starters. Um, but, I mean, just that's not good. It's not good enough. Zero rebounds against the Nets, who only have Nick Claxton as a big, and he's nothing elite whatsoever. Um, so just some frustrating performances from Nick Richards. Um Looked as if he was trending upwards to possibly overtaking that starting role, uh, at least splitting minutes with Mason Plumley at the five. Plumley is really starting to dominate uh, the center minutes in Charlotte, receiving over 30 uh, multiple times in recent games and trending downwards, okay, for Nick Richards. Want to finish off here? Can't help but wonder where this team would be if they were healthy. You just can't. They're eleven games under five hundred, seven and eighteen, twenty-five games in, nearly thirty-three percent of the way uh, into the season. Where would this team be if healthy? Now, when you ask that question, you also have to look at some of the other players. Would you still have this same version of Kelly Oubre? Would you still have this same attacking, aggressive Kelly Oubre if the roster was healthy? No, because he wouldn't be taking as many shots, right? And then same thing for Terry Rozier. Terry Rozier's shot uh, selection and uh, just shot totals. There would be a dip, which wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing for many of these players. Maybe they'd be more efficient pick their spots a little bit better, be more open, okay, when they receive the ball because there are more offensive threats on the court. So you do have to take those factors in, right? But I think it's pretty reasonable to say that overall this team would be vastly improved with a healthy LaMelo ball distributing, finding open guys, creating space, defense having to collapse on him when he drives, when he kicks, when he's around the rim, pick and roll, which <laughs> I wish you could say LaMelo ball in the pick and roll could be deadly, but this team can't set legal screens. So that's a factor that I can't really count that too much, right? Frustrating. But even with that being said, this the floor just opens up with a healthy LaMelo ball. You have – a healthy Dennis Smith Jr. and Cody Martin on the perimeter, causing chaos, uh, defending opposing teams' guards. That just boosts your team as well defensively. And so, and then with Hayward, I mean, give or take whatever you can get, we all expected him to be out for a large portion of the season. It is what it is. So, yeah, sure, if you want to go with the whole – Healthy Gordon Hayward, he would have helped this team. Yes, a healthy Gordon Hayward does help this team, but that's the problem. He's never healthy. So, I mean, give or take whatever you want in that conversation. You can't help but wonder where this team would be. Now, do I think that out of those 18 losses that they win 10 of them? No. All right? Because it, do it just doesn't work that way. But you pick up three, four more wins, maybe five. Eh. Maybe that's where you're looking. And so, because I mean, multiple games, we mentioned it earlier, 
nine losses in the fourth quarter, win leading. And so you boost this this team by four or five wins, all of a sudden you're at 11, 12 wins, and you're down to 12, 13 losses. You're right there at 500, and you're right in the mix of things. It's big. It's big. And so the young guys continue to play well. Um, showing good spots. The guys are playing hard, but it's just it, it just hasn't been enough. Healthy Hornets team was Mitch Wright. It, it's a question to ask because I was worried about this this summer. I said this in one of the opening episodes of this podcast. I was worried because I was frustrated this summer by what happened. I was extremely frustrated by what played out this summer because we wanted this front office to take a chance. We wanted them to make a splash in free agency. We wanted them to do something, upgrade the center position, find a defensive wing player, uh, use the MLE to bring in a solid rotational player and see where this team goes. Make a trade, move Hayward's money possibly while he's healthy. Maybe a team takes a chance. I didn't think that there's a lot of trade value there, but, you know, Test that market, see where it is. Don't sit on it and just hope that Hayward stays healthy. But take a chance and see where you have what you have. And then when that didn't happen, there's a lot of frustration to go around. But quite possibly one of the biggest frustrating things is that Miles Bridges held hostage this summer. And he's not that type of player. He's not the type of player to hold an entire summer hostage because you will replace that production and we've seen that Kelly Oubre PJ Washington as much as PJ's play has been erratic and up and down and just all across the board those two guys have shouldered a lot of that missing product Jalen McDaniels throw him into the hat those three players have shouldered and taken up and picked up the slack for a lot of Miles Bridges's lost production like I thought it would. Because increased opportunities will mean increased production. And I was worried that Mitch would be left off the hook because I saw a pathway and an avenue to where this team would be just as good, if not better, than last year's team with Steve Clifford coming into town, with the defense improving. And I thought Mitch would be left off, uh, let off the hook even though the summer was quite atrocious. But here we are. You have to wonder. You have to wonder. If this team was healthy, was Mitch right? Was Mitch right? Could this team eclipse 43 wins and reach 44, 45, be knocking on that top six seed? It's a question to ask. It really is, especially if you have a healthy LaMelo ball and he takes that next leap, and all of a sudden he's not in that all-star conversation, but all of a sudden he's in that all-NBA conversation. It's something to think about. It really is. Thanks for checking out another episode of Hive Hoops with us. We appreciate you guys so very much. Uh, continue listening. Subscribe, like, share on social media, leave reviews. Let us know what you think, all of that, uh, all of those things. 
Until next time, adios. Thanks for listening to Hive Hoops, presented by The League. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, be sure to leave a review and let us know what you thought of the episode. Thanks again from Hive Hoops. 